Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry coming to you from the road here. Uh, I am an exercise physiologist and a nutrition professor, and I am a competitive bodybuilder. Folks, Rob Sporting here. I'm a former editor at Muscle International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current powerlifter strength enthusiast. And this is Phil Stevens. I am a strength coach, competitive powerlifter, and Highland Games athlete, founder of LiftForHope.org and StrengthGuild.com. Cool. And today we have with us Lane Norton and Ben Hartman, both of them um, professional natural bodybuilders. And we're going to just talk shop with them in the first half of this episode. And then we're going to uh, have a topic of the day, which is what exactly equals natural uh, in natural bodybuilding. Because I think to an educated person, you know, there's a lot of kind of back and forth and gray areas. And so we'll talk about some of that kind of stuff. Uh, Anyway, uh, we've been starting with news lately, and I'll do that again. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of interesting blurbs here uh, from uh, sciencenews.org, which is a very handy website I suggest people check out. This first one is uh, along, it's just feeding my anti-fructose fire here. Fructose poses gout risk even in women. Now, I don't know if people are familiar, but women don't usually get gout quite as badly as men, that buildup of uric acid crystals in their joints, partly because estrogen suppresses some of that. But the researchers are now at least... Uh, in an epidemiological way, sort of, you know, cross-sectional way, uh, linking fructose intake uh, to gout. So of all the different reasons not to consume fructose, uh, you know, this is another one. It says, let's see, um, over the past decade, uh, this researcher Choi, his team uncovered a host of gout triggers. Two years ago, for instance, he and Gary Curhan of Harvard Medical School uh, linked risk of disease uh, gout in men with elevated consumption of fructose, the principal sugar in fruit, uh, as well as sugar-sweetened beverages. It made, it made sense, the researchers pointed out, because fructose independently triggers the body's production of uric acid from ATP. Uh, so, interesting. Uh, again, not cause and effect, but, you know, I don't want Lane to go off on me there <laughs> with, the, with the bad journalism. But, uh, you know, I, more, more, you know, another nail in the coffin of fructose. Um, and the other little blurb I have here, just from the same site, it's sort of a 2010 it, it was the Nutrition Science News of the Year, and it's about fish oil. So these are some things people may not know about fish oil. Um, it says that scientists report that people with sepsis, uh, in other words, a uh, massive uh, infection, and uh, in, sort of inflammatory overreaction to that, they fare better if they get fish oil instead of soybean oil. So that's not a big uh, surprise, really, but again, that's some of the news. It says other researchers find that ample omega-3 in blood can protect the ends of chromosomes, helping cells live longer. So how about that? And uh, a couple of other things here. On the cancer front, it looks like fish oil and its anti-inflammatory omega-3s seem to guard against breast cancer. And it said 14 other over-the-counter supplements failed to show any benefit with breast cancer. So that's interesting. And then finally, it says, however, in some studies, omega-3 come up short or at least don't have a consistent uh, effect in the the research. It says, for example, people with heart arrhythmias may not always be helped by fish oil. And I find that interesting because the American Heart Association actually said that's one of its best effects for uh, preventing cardiac death, stabilizing heart rhythm, <coughs> heart attack. 
So, anyway, some things about fructose bad, fish oil's good. <laughs> you know, these are things we already know, but, uh, I, you know, it's just some cool research coming out of, you know, Harvard and some uh, British labs and things like that. So, some cool stuff there. What uh, you're uh, what you're saying is going to put a peri- uh, serious uh, spike in the efforts of these uh, videos recently, these commercials. Yeah. With the guy enjoying his popsicle. Is that the Corn Refiner Association? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, these guys are de- desperate to re-spin corn syrup, I'll tell you. So, so we're not shooting for them as a sponsor? <laughs> you know what? That, you laugh, but there was a clinical nutrition conference in California last week, and guess who underwrote that conference? The Corn Refiners Association. Wow. So they, they are coming out in force to try to, you know, Sponsor the good guys and and respin you know HFCS into something that's not evil. So there you go. Um, I got some some kind of fun news on the cancer front since you talked about that. Um, since I moved back here to the Midwest, this is where I began Lift for Hope, and just had a good meeting this morning with the American Cancer Society, and I'm going to join up with them again. So and pretty much cool. raising money for the only camp in America that allows kids. Um, from ages eight or five to eighteen, so at the youngest camp, but they also allow the kids to come while they were on treatment. Um, so if they're on treatment, they will give them treatment while they're at camp, even. So um, going to do some stuff with them, and uh, you know, I'm talking to them. Maybe we'll do a show about cancer or something, and how nutrition and training can help it. But, uh, yeah, that'd so. be cool. Definitely. Well, that's kind of fun. And then what we got the Strength Guild seminar coming up. I urge everybody to go check that out. Go to www.strengthguild.com and go to the store. And got some fun, interesting news coming up that, about that soon. So, I mean, if I can make it a suggestion, I would say buy your ticket now because it might go up a little bit after this news goes out. So, All right. Hey, I wanted to offer, I know we don't usually do any kind of tech news, but two things happened to me in the last week, and I want to share them so people don't uh, fall into the same trap. First of all, I want people to be careful. There's a... There's a new uh, malware program. It's a, it's a virus, ironically, posing as an antivirus program, and it forces itself onto your laptop. This happened to me yesterday morning. I wasted four frickin' hours getting it off my net, netbook here. It's called um, Antivirus Anti-Spyware 2011. So it, what it does is it, it'll, it'll auto. You don't have to click on an attachment. It doesn't do anything. It'll, it'll automatically Trojan into your computer. You do nothing. If you don't have an antivirus program, it will burrow right in. You, again, you don't have to open an attachment, nothing. It takes over your computer, and about every 10 seconds, you get balloons that pop up and say your computer's massively infected. Uh, buy this program now. Or even audio messages about every 30 seconds, just like computer chick voice saying, uh, you know, oh, your computer's infected. Buy now. Buy, buy, buy. Well, there's nothing to buy. If you're foolish enough to, you know, fall for this, you would send your 50 bucks or whatever, and um, the program doesn't even do anything. It's purely, uh, it's crimeware, it's BS, and it really hacks me off. Now, and what is it, you, what, it comes through your email, you're saying? Yeah, it came through Hotmail on me. I didn't open anything, nothing. And, and so, what was what was the email title? Yeah, it, well, uh, it, there was no email title, that's what I mean. I just had Hotmail oh, open, and I looked right. at my screen, and, there, and there's this big window open. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I'm looking at it. The the program is called Antivirus Anti-Spyware 2011. It's bogus. I hate them. (laughs) And and let me tell you how to fix it if it happens to you because, again, you don't even have to do anything stupid for this to infiltrate your system. Uh, I I tried antivirus program. It didn't see it. 
I went to the Norton website. They even have this special power eraser, they call it, that will extract it. It failed in its battle with this crimeware program. So I, what actually finally worked was, uh, you know how Windows has that, um, oh, what's it called? Um, it takes you back in time, like system restore or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Uh, and I set it back in time to the previous week, and that got it out of my registry, and, and now it's gone. So beware, man, terrible stuff. Uh, and on the, on the positive side, uh, I, I turned on my son's Android phone to be a mobile hotspot. Mm. I cannot tell you how cool that is. Yeah. It totally works. And, you know, I can surf the web on my little netbook anywhere I freaking want to go now. And I've just never been able to do that before. It's very empowering. It costs about 30 bucks a month, but I might actually keep it. So for people who are wondering about that whole mobile hotspot thing, damn, <laughs> it yeah. works. I, lo- I love it. I love it. So... Um, and as far as Iron Radio happenings, just uh, real quick, uh, Fortress and I just recently uh, authored an article that's hopefully this week will appear on T Nation. It's about sort of guaranteed ways to um, put on mass, proper mass building uh, with, with food. And how, you know, people get frustrated, they get stuck, they get on plateaus. So check out that on uh, T Nation. And then on the academic side, um, just last month, the NSCA came out with their guide to sport and exercise nutrition. And I did the uh, chapter in there on, on dietary fat, and including a, a fairly uh, positive review of, like, medium-chain triglycerides and, you know, their role. Because I think a lot of people barked up the wrong tree with those in the past. So check out the 2011, um, the new NSCA's Guide to Sports and Exercise Nutrition, uh, Human Kinetics Publishers. So that's about all the news that I've got. So Anyway, uh how about Lane, if you can hear me? What are you guys up to? I heard you guys talking training when I was struggling with my laptop to log in. How's the training going? Uh, <clears throat> training's going great. Uh, I was just telling them that I uh, I was traveling probably t- – I traveled the last 10 days. I just got home yesterday. In the midst of all that, I had food poisoning and still managed to hit uh, squat PR. So I was, uh, training's going real well, and I'm uh, probably going to look to getting some meats over the summer. Cool. So some power meets, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm probably gonna try and get into the 198 class because uh, previously I've always done 220, but I'm I'm only about 10 pounds over stage weight, and I com- I competed at um, 196 at shows, and at night I'm probably like 207, 208. So I feel like I I, I could cut down the last week and and make 198 and and still keep all my strength and. I feel like I could make a, a run at some some 198 marks. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how my. I don't have any meets planned right now, but it just depends how my strength progresses and when I feel comfortable getting in there. Are you going to be That's, going raw or uh, what? Oh yeah, yeah. I I have a lot of respect for guys who who lift with gear. It's just something I've never been really, really been interested in. And uh, you know, I I've always lifted raw, and I I feel like I would have to learn kind of a new way of lifting. Because I know it's just it's very different to to use gear as opposed to not using gear, and I, I have plenty of fun lifted raw, so that's what I'll be doing. Right on, right on. Cool. How about you, Ben? Uh, I'm actually in a, in a pretty similar situation. I have uh, my first of uh, three powerlifting meets scheduled uh, actually at the end of this month um, that I'm going to end up doing over the spring and summer. Uh, I'm going to end up doing a strongman meet or two probably in May-ish, 
Um, so I'm kind of getting my training geared, you know, more towards the powerlifting stuff right now. Having uh, Lane and I both coming off our contest prep. Um, actually, back in January, I was uh, training some of the strongman uh, implements with some buddies of mine and had a suffered a partial bicep tear. So I've been kind of rehabbing oh. that and yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Just uh, just a small belly tear, no tendon damage, but uh, it's, it affected a lot of my upper body work in the last. Did you? Go ahead. What did you tear it on, Ben? I'm sorry? What did you tear it doing? What, uh, uh, I tore it doing, uh, doing clean and press with an axle, of all things. That's weird. Well, wow. Okay, so we're going to uh, just take a quick um, sort of station identification break and pause for some messages. And when we return, we're going to talk about the topic of the day, and that is, what is natural? In the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And on to the if you're tired of listening to these barbarians and you'd like to read something educational, check out the article library at www.ironradio.org. It's growing, it's free, and it's online just for you. This month's featured article is about a conference that was in Canada. Uh, it's been up actually for about six weeks now, and it includes tons of information relevant to strength trainers and bodybuilders, from the optimal number of sets and reps for maximal protein synthesis and muscle building, to the way stress adds fat cells to your physique over time. Very dangerous. And even about how women may recover better than men from uh, muscle microtrauma and that sort of exercise. So if you're interested in learning uh, in a text format as well as audio, again, please check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. Well, once again, my friend, we find that science is a two-headed beast. One head is nice. It gives us aspirin and other modern conveniences. But the other head of science is bad. Oh, beware the other head of science, Arthur! It bites! And it can really ruin a good day off. Okay, and we're back. Uh, today we're going to get a little Socratic with the what is questions. And like any kind of sociology or, or philosophy of sport class, we're going to ask the question, what is natural? Um, for example, natural bodybuilders, and we have a pro natural bodybuilder builder with us here, uh, Ben, and of course Lane Norton is as well. Uh, they, you know, sort of walk this line, which is natural bodybuilding. Now, the whole idea of natural is, you know, sort of controversial when it comes to interactions with the world. I mean, if you actually look at the definition of natural, it's just. Uh, the creation or the ongoing, you know, um, things that happen in the material world uh, without mankind, you know, without technology, let's say. So there are some different ways to look at this. And one of the things that I think really comes up often is, you know, how you define, uh, like, what makes drugs natural and, say, supplements, uh, I'm sorry, drugs not natural and supplements are natural, you know, or how are pharmaceuticals any uh, less natural than, say, some of the gear that people use or other things like that. Um, I actually have a quote here 
uh, it talks about uh, some of the issues surrounding naturalness. Um, this is from actually a philosophy of sport blog. And uh, it actually, it's entitled Taking Steroids is Only Natural, which is interesting. It says human beings are always and have always been a technological animal. Ours is a history of shared technological innovation from sharpened stones and cave paintings. And he goes on and he talks about all the ways that we use technology. Um, The athlete's reliance on steroids is no different in principle from a reliance on training techniques or newly designed footwear or sunglasses or mitts or nutrition or the computer graphic analysis and things like that they use in their diet. Um, We are what we do and are never entirely self-sufficient in determining the scope of what we can do. So again, the natural thing uh, coming into question. So what I was hoping you could do, Ben, is just sort of relate to listeners what your take is on um, this whole natural thing, like maybe define what legal is versus what natural is in natural bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Can you do that for us? Yeah. I, the one thing, you know, if, first of all, when people talk about natural bodybuilding, I'm not a huge fan of saying natural because then they, you know, just like you said, what's the definition of natural? It's, it's without, you know, interjection by mankind, without technology. So, you know, where do those lines get blurred? I, I'd much rather say that I compete in drug-tested shows. I don't use illegal exogenous sources of, of hormones or other drugs. Um, but anything, you know, that's legal, non-hormonal, you know, kind of can fit into that mold. Um, when you're looking at, um, you know, from the supplement realm, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I want to be completely natural. I don't want to use supplements. I don't want to use creatine or protein powder. But I see them drinking a, a Gatorade in the gym. Well, yeah. how, how natural is a uh, is an engineered sports performance beverage shown to be, you know, an ergenic aid? How how natural can that be? Um, so I think it's, you know, everyone's going to have their own definition. I think as long as somebody, you know, from a competitive standpoint, as long as somebody isn't breaking the rules of their competitive organization. Uh, whether or not it's defined as natural, as drug-free, as, you know, whatever it might be defined as, I think, you know, they're entitled within those parameters to explore whatever um, whatever that organization allows. Right. So can maybe as someone who understands nutrition and pharmacology and as a competitor, can you ch- just sort of share, like, what are those lines drawn in the sand, uh, for example, in your organization when you compete? Well, when you're looking at, at the uh, like the natural pro organizations that Lane and I compete in, um, things like you know ephedrine is is banned. Um, they either test for it um, with urinalysis or they ask you questions via polygraph about your your ephedrine usage in the last you know six years or six months or whatever they ask. But then when you go into the NPC other organizations, even though they have you know quote unquote natural shows, they have drug tested shows. Ephedrine has this legal gray area. They permit it because it's not illegal to purchase. Then they can go buy some primatine pads at the drugstore. You know, it's an over-the-counter medication. So anything that can be legally purchased is allowed, even though it's a different natural organization. So, you know, if somebody's going to compete in the NPC, they can potentially use a lot more potent, you know, gray area supplements, drugs, you know, then somebody that competes in, let's say, the IFPA or the NGA, where they're a lot more, you know, strict on, on what they allow. Right. I think the use of uh, ephedra or ephedrine hydrochloride is, is a good example because it really, really blurs that line. I mean, it, for example, why is one adrenaline-like drug, you know, ephedrine, uh, okay, you know, even if it's sort of unspoken, but like you said, not tested for, 
whereas something, yeah. another adrenergic drug like clenbuterol is absolutely, you know, forbidden. <laughs> You're talking about two, you know, very similar class drugs. If anything, I think clenbuterol yeah. is probably the safer of the two, you know. Yeah, two um, cousin compounds, and, and they're going to ban one, and, and, you know, it's a controlled substance, and the other one you can go buy at a drugstore with an ID and right, take it as right. you want. Yeah. Now, uh, earlier, uh, Lane was mentioning that uh, he competes in powerlifting raw. Now, do you compete raw too, Ben? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so in that sense, I think you guys are consistent, right, in, in your stance. I mean, if you're going to compete in natural bodybuilding, you're also sort of competing in uh, natural from an equipment perspective in powerlifting, right? Mm-hmm. So um, now, now, I, I know that some of the powerlifting organizations constitute raw as being – you know, belt only, whereas others say belt, knee sleeves, or belt, light wraps, you know. But as long as everybody's competing in the same playing field within that raw division, it's it's the same sense of equality as long as you're not going from, you know, one orb to the next and expecting the rules to be consistent. What do you consider, what in your federation, what, what is raw? Uh, I primarily compete in USAPL, so on raw they allow belts, they allow basic uh, wraps on the wrists, um, and then knee sleeves, but not you know, wraps or anything that provides a, you know, a rebound effect. No breeze, sure. no, you know, obviously you that kind of stuff. Um, I know that some of the other organizations allow uh, knee sleeves. The one that I'm looking to do at the end of April is a different org than I usually compete in, and it's the exact same guidelines that they allow knee wraps in the raw division. Um, I, I I haven't used knee wraps in a long time. Um, I'm not even sure if I would go that route, but knowing that I'm competing in that organization, if somebody, you know, squats, 30 pounds more than me, and they have really tight knee wraps, you know, I'm not going to be the one on the sideline saying, well, but they cheated, they used wraps, because I know going into that organization what the parameters of, of, you know, their guidelines are, and it's my choice to, you know, push the envelope as much as I can within that legal limit or to, you know, stick to my guns and do what I usually do. Right on. I think we've, we've said this before. I, I, in fact, Rob was mentioning this even in the Bill Pearl episode that, you know, we don't really have a pro or con uh, judgmental type drug stance on Iron Radio. But I like what you're saying there because I think it's, it's the same way that Phil competes or Rob has or even that I do in the NPC, which is, you know, we do the best we can within the boundaries that we set for ourselves. You know, like if I go into a weight class and I'm feeling pretty good at, you know, 198 uh, at 5.9, and somebody comes in at 5.6198, and he's obviously using all kinds of stuff, you know, I'm not going to begrudge him that. He's made choices that, you know, I'm just not willing to make, you know. Yeah. So, and you know what just, you're getting into going into it. Yeah, so it's a lot like the, it's like you said, it's a lot like the gear versus no gear, or, you know, how you define raw. I see a lot of parallels between that and powerlifting and then, you know, what bodybuilders do or don't do. But I think it's I think it's also just um, again so many people are, are chasing either a trophy or a title or you know to, to beat somebody on the Wilkes formula or something like that in powerlifting. And, and truthfully, um, you know I, I, w- I would say that the majority of people who last in the sport, as far as you know, they set their, like like Lonnie says they set their own parameters of what you know what they're trying to achieve within the boundaries of whatever they care about. So whether or not somebody's cheating or not, or you know if if you're you know, secure in what you're trying to do and that you only want to perform to the best of your ability um, at that point in time, it really doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. 
No, I think yeah. that's true. And, and I, I, I bet Ben is like that, just, just like we are, really, which is, you know, you don't really go in giving a damn about whether or not that guy's going to come in, like Ben said, with, with knee wraps that'll, you know, that, that just squeaks by you by 30 pounds. Or I don't freak out when some short guy comes in using growth hormone and all kinds of anabolic steroids and stuff. You're competing against your former best anyway. You know, and like we've said before, it, you know, the other guys, I mean, sure, it's great to place. I mean, I always use uh, being in the hardware, so to speak, as a gauge of whether or not I was a competitive threat. You know what I mean? I mean, you just don't want to embarrass yourself, obviously. You want to try to win. But at the same time, you're trying to best yourself. And so, you know, you do that within the, the rules that you set for yourself. And, I mean, I think if people set rules very, very loose, that becomes a very slippery slope. And I think people who bend their own rules, that becomes a slippery slope, you know. So yeah. you just got to stick stick to what you're kind of set out at the beginning and be very stubborn probably. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, individuals, you know, having their kind of their own moral moral boundaries within parameters or whatever they're doing, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, that people stick to what they believe to be the right thing and and then not bitch about what other people are doing because it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. You know, it's, it's not going to affect your your stage presence is not going to affect you doing the squat. Yeah. So who cares? That's one thing I've always said. If, yeah. You know, if you're worried about what all the other guys are doing, then you're not taking enough time to worry about yourself. So you're not going to be prepared. Yeah. You know. So. Right. Right. Well, I'll tell uh, Ben. Can you run down? Uh, like, are, are there a list of supplements that you, you probably wouldn't get in Whole Foods that natural bodybuilders still use? So something that's arguably not natural, but they still use because, you know, it, it's very helpful with bodybuilding. Yeah, I mean, if, if, when you're looking at the natural pro organizations, they're a lot more strict, so it's hard to get away with things that um, aren't necessarily just, you know, amino acid or food, you know, food derivatives or, you know, synthetic derivatives or things like that. Um, when you're looking at the, the NPC drug syndrome, you're going to see a lot more of the stimulant-type products, um, the, even some of the you know, the pro-hormone type products, you know, obviously the androids and things are gone, but, you know, the newer generation, who can keep up with anything? Uh, yeah. You know, these companies just put a methyl on something or, you know, an ester on something else, and who knows what, what they're taking. But in the NPC, because it's a legal over-the-counter supplement that somebody can purchase at a local nutrition store, as long as they put it on their entry form, if, you know, if they false positive on their test but they're taking this product that they bought at a local store, it's potentially fair game. Right. Not so always, even, but potentially. So. Okay. So even in the natural uh, leagues, stuff like whey protein would be allowed, presumably, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now, let's take that a step further. Since whey is a better protein because of its leucine content, is leucine allowed? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it, even the strictest of drug testing standards... Um, Anything that, you know, it's all drug testing. So anything that's going to throw off a drug screen is either not going to be allowed or, you know, uh, not encouraged because it will throw off, you know, cause a false positive screen. One of the big uh, stimulant compounds that's really big right now is geranamine, um, or it's a geranium oil extract called 1,3-dimethylamylamine, and that's used in a lot of the pre-workout products for mental focus. It has a very ephedra-like feel to it. Um, and some of the natural organizations are starting to ban the use of that, where some of the other ones are not. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you sense, really have to pay attention to even which, you know, within the natural world, which organization is going to ban which product. You know, I mean, there's people that have had false positive, uh, 
you know, screened for amphetamines because they took a product containing geranamine in it, um, and they failed their drug test, whereas for shows you can take it and it doesn't do anything because they know that yeah. you're taking a legal product. Okay. So what I wanted to ask you was uh, about uh, creatine. So is creatine something that's uh, allowable across different uh, organizations, or is that something that's considered uh, not permissible? Uh, it, from what I believe, I believe to be permissible. I, I don't know if every single organization that exists, especially in the natural world, I mean, there's dozens of small little organizations that are cropping up. Um, for what I know, uh, 100% allowed. Okay. Yeah. It certainly makes sense, I think, because obviously it's in skeletal muscle already, and you, and it's yeah. in meat. I mean, you know, you're just getting a, a much larger concentration than normal. I really don't see how you could ban creatine and not, like, large amounts of whey protein, let's say, which, you know, you're not going to find in a normal diet probably in hundreds of grams yeah. either. So, yeah. Okay, uh, now, what about the final week uh, before a competition? Um, what what are natural bodybuilders doing to prepare for a show, whether it's herbal diuretics or do they not go that route? Or, uh, you know, what like, what do you do in the final week before a competition? They're still... A lot of natural bodybuilders who um, kind of succumb to the, the old, uh, you know, carb depletion, carb loading, water loading, water depletion, you know, sodium depletion, herbal diuretic uh, kind of cocktail that, that has been around for, you know, through the ages of bodybuilding. Um, mm -hmm. Lane has been a, a huge pioneer on kind of debunking a lot of the myths of, you know, why why these things might not be optimal for a natural bodybuilder because they're not taking the hormones that a non-natural bodybuilder is that causes artificial water retention. Um, but he's been really vocal at, at, you know, kind of getting some, some better information that's more suited to naturals as opposed to somebody, you know, using a drug. Uh, I know a lot of natural bodybuilders who still use herbal diuretics the day before the show, the day of the show. Um, I personally don't choose to use anything like that. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of water in, water out. The more I drink, uh, the more I pee, and the more I pee, the harder I get. So I see no reason to kind of break that mold if it's been working. Okay, so you, so you really pound the distilled water like on a Thursday and Friday I before the, an event? I don't even go to distilled. I just drink the same water that I've been drinking. I usually drink from a Brita filter. Um, okay. And I'm drinking two gallons a day. I stay at two gallons a day all the way through Friday night. And then Saturday morning, it's kind of based on more on feel than anything. I, I tend to reduce it a little bit. I never cut it completely. Um, when I cut water completely, I tend to flatten out quite a bit um, without getting, you know, without a noticeable increase in hardness. So for me, a, a nice steady trickle in the day of the show, as long as I don't have to pee, you know, not so much that I'm going to pee my pants on stage. Um, <laughs> right. And, and especially for me too, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slam the water the night before the show and eat 500 grams of carbohydrates that same night and hope to wake up crisp. Um, I tend to kind of carve up middle, you know, earlier middle of the week, you know, when water and sodium are, are unaffected. I let my glycogen stores get as full as possible. And then even if I retain a little bit of water from, a, you know, from still over midweek, I have two, three days, uh, you know, to taper my carbs down a little bit, reduce my activity just a little bit. The water keeps flowing, keeps coming off, and I get a little harder and a little harder every single day. Then the day of the show, if I'm, you know, if I'm a little flat, I'll keep the water a little higher. I'll eat a little bit more. If I'm hard enough and, and full enough, uh, I'll eat normal, maybe just go to sips, just based on how I feel. 
you know, I never want to feel dehydrated on stage. At the same time, I don't want to feel like I'm waterlogged. Right. So how many grams of carbs are you using to carb up? Uh, I, like I tried a bunch of things this past year. Midweek, uh, like if I'm doing, let's say, a, uh, a Tuesday carb up, Tuesday, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, um, Tuesday I'll go pretty high. Um, what I'd like to do actually during a, a large duration of my prep is have either an entire day or half a day of, of significantly increased carb intake. Um, I've done a lot of carb cycling in the past, but I, I find that I, I still have a lot of muscle retention, even going relatively low all week. As long as I have at least, a, let's say, a six-hour time span on a Sunday night where I carb up pretty hard, you know, get that get the thyroid kicked in again, fill out a little bit, and then I'm, I'm good to go. Um, so knowing that every single week I'm used to taking in a pretty large influx over a six- or eight-hour span, um, midweek the week of the show I'll take in um, maybe 800 grams, maybe Oof. a little less, kind of, kind of depends. I mean, it, it, and I go based on, you know, if I spill, when I spill. Um, I know that I can hold, for me, in, in contest shape or pretty close to it, pretty close to 750, 800 grams of carbohydrate over the course of maybe an 8- or 10-hour day before I start to get a little bloaty, a little gassy, you know, the, the lines are being drawn out a little bit. So I'll usually go 700, 800 grams on that day, and then the very next day I go right back to what I was doing before. Um, right. I and usually so wake whole... up a couple pounds heavier the next day, and then, okay. you know, the next day after that a couple pounds lighter, and the next day a couple pounds lighter, where by, by Saturday again um, I'm harder than I was on Tuesday at the same body weight. So I stay fine, but now I'm four. So once you carb up, you're not really training like uh, Thursday, Friday. Then you're just trying to keep your glycogen intact. Or are you are you going uh, into the gym a little bit? I will. Uh, I'll train very light. Uh, nothing depleting. More to you know, more for glute force sensitivity, just to make sure that my muscles are still uptaking you know the glycogen in the water and everything that is going on. Because I'm still eating some carbohydrate. I don't want to uh, you know completely deplete after a load. That doesn't make any sense. I, I think. One thing bodybuilders make the mistake of is they take four or five days off for a show and they don't they refuse to move, afraid that they're going to burn through their entire carb load by by moving, and that's I think that's yeah. ridiculous. You know, general muscle contraction facilitates the uptake of the nutrients that you carved up with to begin with. Um, so I think you know, getting a light pump, practicing your posing, you know, continuing your workout throughout the week, just reducing load, reducing volume. Um, you know, that way uptake is still sensitive. Right. So taper but not remove it, yeah. That's good yeah. advice. So uh, you, you sort of salt to taste then, or you, are you basically not having any salt at the end of the week or something? Or uh, I, I don't change my salt too much. If I'm going to um, do anything with my salt the last week, I'll cut out um, – like if I'm using condiments that I'm not monitoring my sodium content, you know, a month out, but if I'm just liberal using soy sauce or hot sauce, um, I always keep sodium pretty high anyways. The final week, out of a, as a more of a precautionary measure so I don't do anything stupid, I'll, I'll usually switch to, to like sea salt that I can monitor how much I'm putting on. Um, and I'm not, you know, about it. I don't weigh it out. Uh, I know people that do that, and it, and it works incredibly well for them. Um, I tend to not be that anal, and I I just don't care enough to try it. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tend to salt about the same way every day, and and maybe taper down a little bit on Friday. Um, okay. But not much. Again, if I if I cut too much water and too much salt, I get I don't get hard. I get flat. The thing that makes me retain water is not high sodium, high water. It's carving up too much later in the week. 
Yeah. Where I I stay pretty pretty grainy on high water, high salt, and the second I over-carb up is when I spill. So I carb up early in the week, and then I just don't over-carb late in the week. And it okay. really kind of takes care of the Yeah. So, listeners, we're talking to natural pro bodybuilder Ben Hartman, and he's talking about what natural guys do to get ready for a competition because that's a obviously a question. Somebody's getting ready for bodybuilding competition uh, or even a photo shoot or something. You know, water balance is something that's important. So, you know, Ben, when you get on stage... Are you um, are you a couple pounds lighter then, and you're from your normal training weight? Like you know, I, I mean, once you've gotten lean over the course of a several week diet, I mean, are you are you dehydrated uh, a little bit, or not really at all? I, you know, knowing that that I'm not taking in the same you know multi gallons like I was the day before, you know, by definition, I'm a little dehydrated from that standpoint. But I never let myself get to the point where I'm uh, excessively thirsty. Um, you know, thirst obviously is an indication of, you know, you needing some fluid. I don't let myself get to that point. I always keep a little, you know, a little bit of sips in there. Um, I, at some shows, I've I've monitored it per meal. Um, I know people that weigh their water in grams based on how many grams of carbohydrate they're eating the day of the show so that, you know, they're not over-consuming one or the other. Um, that works for a lot of people. Again, I, I tend to not be as anal about it. Um, yeah. I know it's less than the day before, and I know that I'm still peeing, and I know that I'm still full, so I will drink accordingly. Okay. Well, usually it, just usually just sips. Maybe you know I might have four or five, six ounces with each meal, two, three times in the morning before pre-judging, and a couple of sips here and there, and I take a big you know gulp when I'm pumping up, and right. it's definitely well, less than it was the day before. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's so much to consider. I just I I, I sort of want to get to a. A summary, in a way, of you know. So, uh, what is it that you think uh, natural bodybuilders have to do differently from drug, you know, drug-using bodybuilders who are using androgens and whether it's androgens or growth hormone or even diuretics? I mean, what are some of the major differences? Like, I know one thing you said is you know you can just keep the water flowing. You're not badly dehydrated and stuff like that, but. Can you summarize some of the things that, that you do that you think it might be different from when you watch, like, national-level NPC shows? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when you're kind of boiling it down to all the little tricks at the end of the, at the, end of the game, um, natural bodybuilders, I think their biggest mistake is believing that all the tricks that work for a drug user are the same tricks that they need to use. And, you know, we can mention a dozen different little things that people do, um, and it's they're foolish to think that it's going to have the exact same effect as somebody who's on, you know, insulin and cytomel and growth hormone and four different versions of testosterone and a diuretic, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be the exact same. I mean, a lot of, you know, drug-free bodybuilders say, oh, oh my gosh, I don't want to hold, I'm holding so much water, so much water. Unless you're on drugs or have, um, you know, edema issues, I don't see how you're going to be holding so much water all of a sudden. It, either you screwed up your, you know, sodium water intake early in the week, believing some myth that you believe, or you are not in shape and, and you have too much fat. Yeah. You think okay. Better. Which you see a lot in drug-free bodybuilding. A lot of people say, I just need to get rid of this water, and they pull a pit the size of an inch off their stomach. Nobody holds an inch of water right next to their belly button out of nowhere. Yeah. For, for days at a time. I mean, these are people that are waking up with with an inch of pinch. That's not water retention. 
Right. You know, I think that's true. That's one of the things I think a, a lot of bodybuilders need to understand is you, if you think water balance is going to make you ripped when you're not already completely shredded, you're mistaken. Yeah. You better be freaking bone dry ripped before you decide to compete. And that water balance is only going to be a couple of percent, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I think one reason that I don't mess with it too, too much is I, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way that things turned out this year with my shows and with, you know, my pro status and competing as a pro, but I'm nowhere near where I think I have the potential to be, so I'm not going to be foolish enough to say that I'm going to miraculously change my my fullness, my dryness at the last minute if I didn't put in the work ahead of time, you know. Right. I might change things and tinker with things more in future shows, but hopefully in future shows I'm a little bigger and a little leaner going into those shows anyways, so. Right. It actually seems a lot, a lot more sane. I mean, it's less dramatic. The swings are less dramatic. You're not fooling with massive dehydration or electrolyte swings or, you know, yeah. um, half a dozen different types of hormonal manipulations. You're just sort of letting your body's homeostasis manage a lot of that, and you're just trying to be big and lean, right? I mean, yeah. Going back to the whole natural topic, you know, relying on your body's natural homeostasis versus, you know, unnaturally trying to change all that doesn't sound very natural, you know. From a from a non drug non supplement standpoint, just the, the manipulation people try to do to, and say that they're natural. It's not natural to not drink water for three days and that's right, know, yeah, and and right. dehydrate themselves and you know eat a thousand grams of carbs from pie filling and you know none of that's natural. Right. <laughs> well, just two two more things. One. Um, can you just maybe share, you know, what kind of uh, placings have you had? Where are you in your in your pro career? And maybe tell people a little bit about pro natural pro bodybuilding. I mean, I know there's not a lot of money in it, but what kind of money is involved? Where do you, you know, where do you sort of lie on the spectrum of natural pros and things like that? Uh, I'm a newbie uh, within the natural pro realm. I uh, a lot of my past history of competition was in the NPC and the drug tested um, and some non-tested shows within the NPC. Uh, my first exposure to bodybuilding was the NPC. All the shows that I went to was NPC. Um, I really like how some of the shows are run. I like how the judging um, is quick, or I used to like it, I should say. Um, I didn't have as much exposure to some of the smaller, uh, lesser-known organizations that are the true drug test organization. Uh, you know, Lane, again, going back to Lane, you know, he was a huge pioneer with you know, getting the exposure out about how great the talent was at some of these organizations. Um, being friends with guys like Lane and a few of my other friends who are natural pros, uh, I decided to kind of throw my, you know, my hat in the ring and see where I stood. Um, I entered a couple uh, pro qualifiers, uh, placed pretty poorly at the first one, got a little better at the second one, you know, a little better at the third one, ended up going into the, you know, one of the later ones in the season. Uh, ended up winning the overall, getting my pro card, um, wasn't planning on having a pro debut that year. I had already competed in five shows. I was pretty burnt out at that point. And, and Lane kind of made a joke like, hey, you know, you should come down to Florida and compete in the pro universe with me. And I was like, yeah, ha, 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 that's not going to happen. Uh, and a buddy of mine who's a pro that lives up here in Ohio was also going down to Florida. And he goes, man, you got to go down. If you go down, I will, uh, you know, you can stay with me for free in my hotel room. And I was like, yeah, but the flights and all that stuff. Um, so I got a hold of my... Uh, my supplement sponsor, Optimum Nutrition, and they uh, kind of stepped up and, you know, paid for my flight. And, you know, two weeks later I was on a flight to Florida competing in my first pro show, you know, where two weeks prior I was 
I thought I was done with prep. So, wow. um, I didn't place. I didn't place great in the pro show. I didn't place terrible. I was somewhere in the middle of the lineup. Um, not at my best, admittedly. I was kind of mentally done dieting about two weeks before that, uh, but I didn't want to pass up on the experience. Um, so my, my goal is kind of down the line. I want to get back into competing probably in the spring of next year. Um, I'd like to finish grad school eventually. I mean, you know how long I've been in school. Um, yeah. My plans are to finish by December, and that way I can not be in school and focus on some spring shows. I'd like to do some NPC natural shows. I'd like to do some natural pro shows. Uh, and then, you know, uh, assuming things go well, I think my plan uh, maybe next summer is to do the Team Universe, which is, a, you know, the big NPC, um, I'll call it a drug-tested show because it's far from natural, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a, the thing I originally looked up to as a bodybuilder when I first got into it. And then, you know, down the line I'll kind of look at it from there. You know, I don't know if I'm going to stay in the NPC or go more of the, you know, the NGA or IFPA route. The, the quality of competition in those organizations is growing so fast, and the camaraderie is so um, so much more than than I've seen at other shows. Um, I'd be a fool to ignore it. So, yeah, it really does seem to have turned around. When I was, I sound like an old fart, but when I was your age, natural bodybuilding was, in some ways, it was kind of a joke. I mean, I want to be rude to the people that were involved, but it's come such a long way. Um, and just as a final thought, I wanted you to share with listeners what kind of money is in fact involved not just well, maybe prize winnings but also like what do sponsors do for you and that kind of stuff uh prize winnings i know that uh the show that lane and i did down in florida i think they had a i don't remember if it was a thousand or a two thousand dollar prize for the winner and it was you know maybe 500 for a second place and 250 for the third place and i think that's all they gave out um i know lane at one of at his uh pro debut he won his heavyweight class and i know he won a you know, a decent amount of little side money. Um, it, it's nowhere near, you know, like a like an Arnold Classic or, a, you know, a New York Pro or any of these shows. I mean, you're never sure. going to see somebody winning $50,000. Um, from a contract standpoint, anybody in the industry, if they're a viable marketing piece, can can get a sponsorship or can get, you know, um, you know, modeling jobs or, you know, working expos. And, there's you know, there's money that's out there. Um, a, a lot of companies now are doing... Uh, sponsorship, kind of product-only sponsorship, um, where the amount of work put forth is not, you know, as significant. You know, I'm not Jay Cutler from Muscle Tech going around all over the world. You know, I'm doing my share, and I'm getting, you know, compensated accordingly, but it's not necessarily a monetary compensation. Yeah, I got my flight paid for it every now and then. You know, there's little little things that we get. Um, you know, the more that we give, the more that we get back, kind of essentially, so. Okay. In a lot of ways, it seems it's sort of reinventing what bodybuilding was like in the Arnold era, you know, when those guys yeah. won $1,000 for a show or something, and they weren't really doing it for yeah. the money, just for the love of it. Yeah, I don't know of any natural bodybuilders, I mean, even the best ones in the world who are extremely well-known, you know, within the natural bodybuilding world, I don't know of any of them that still don't have full-time jobs. Um, I don't know anybody that makes a significant amount of money off of sponsorships. I mean, even the biggest names who, who potentially have uh, monetary sponsorship from supplement companies still have their own businesses. They still work at, you know, at gyms or are in the military or, you know. Right, right. Okay. Well, there's, uh, no, there's, no, money in, there's no money in the IFBB for most of the pros, you know, let alone in uh, drug-free bodybuilding and, you know. That's a good point. Pay, so. 
I'm just, I'm just happy to be in the mix. Cool. Okay. Well, um, well that's going to be our show for today. Uh, I wanted to thank Ben and Lane for being on with us. And um, just, um, I think Fortress logged off here. We lost him here. Skype's been failing us today a bit. So, uh, well, we'll, we'll follow up with that next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good show, guys. We'll go ahead and call that a day. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Mark. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So for more information, go to www.theissn.org. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got T-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.